Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Now it's time for Inside the Clubhouse, a show dedicated to the Chicago baseball fan, featuring the best Chicago baseball conversation, as well as the big MLB topics, along with the biggest names, greatest guests, and listener interaction on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. And always live on the free Odyssey app, presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. And welcome in. Happy Saturday. And it's almost time for spring training. And we are here for all of that. It's inside the clubhouse on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score alongside Bruce Levine. I'm Mike Esposito filling in for David Haw this week. And we've got a great show coming up for you. But Bruce, as we get rolling, still lots of free agents out there with spring training less than two weeks away. Well, lots of free agents, Mike, and lots of trades that are going to be made that have been made that should probably involve the Chicago Cubs and the Chicago White Sox as we move forward with just, as you said, 11 days left until spring training begins for the White Sox in Glendale and the Cubs in Mesa. We are a a baseball fan-friendly show if you're tuning in the first time. We're on 52 weeks of the year talking Baseball every Saturday from 9 to 11. David Haw, my partner, is off this week. And the Ben Zobrist of uh, Radio Sports on the score. My good friend Mike Esposito pinch hitting again this weekend. Espo, I guess, will begin as uh, we have on a number of occasions uh, over the last month or two. And that is, where is the Bellinger Derby for the Chicago Cubs and where is the Dylan Cease trade rumor derby for the Chicago White Sox. 312-644-6767 is our number. We're always interactive. And, Mike, um, as a Cub fan, the way that you are, how uh, are you looking at the Bellinger situation now? Are you tired of it? Are you mystified by it? What is your take on it? So I am not mystified by it at all. I am a bit tired of it, but I'll tell you what, and we have talked about it on this show. This is the methodology. We talked to the man himself. We talked to Scott Boris on the show a few months back. Uh, This is what he does, and you'll notice uh, some huge free agents, all represented by Boris, still out there, including Bellinger. Now, I definitely want Belly back on the Cubs. I think what they are doing is logical, waiting out the market or lack of a market uh, and uh, waiting, biding their time until 
he comes back to them with uh, within their range what they want to pay for him. We've seen it uh, with some of the pitchers. Blake Snell is still out there. Montgomery from Texas is still out there. I still think he ends up with the Cubs, Bruce. It's a perfect fit on many levels. And the Cubs seem to just be biding their time waiting for this this to happen. That doesn't mean it's going to. But I, I still feel, I don't want to say comfortable, but I still think it's more likely than not and certainly hope that Belly ends up with the Chicago Cubs. You know, we've talked about Scott Boris being the, the super agent that he is out there, not being afraid to take his players all the way into spring training. Uh, one of the famous ones was, of course, Bryce Harper. Uh, spring training had already started for the Phillies back about five years ago when he uh, signed with them. And uh, and that was uh, still a, all about the player and the agent getting what they want in return and uh, creating either the idea that there's a marketplace or indeed a marketplace where teams are not willing to play chicken with them when it comes to either getting the player or not. Now, right now, they have the reigning Cy Young Award winner in the National League, Blake Snell, still out there. Uh, Montgomery, a left-handed pitcher who's outstanding, he is still out there. Matt Chapman is still out there. Bellinger is still out there. These are all four Scott Boris clients. So, uh, again, um, many players would be panicking at this point, wondering where their families were going to go. Is it Florida? Is it Arizona? When will they be going? Uh, Scott Boris runs a a different type of ship. I think the the players are in sync with him as far as waiting this long and making sure that they get optimum amount of years and money for uh, the return of the player. Inside the clubhouse, broadcasting live from the Hyundai Score Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers, 312-644-6767. Cubs fans, where are you with the Cody Bellinger free agency situation? Are you like me? You still feel that this is likely? Or are you uh, thinking darker thoughts? And White Sox fans, we haven't got to Dylan Cease yet, but we will uh, with the spring training start looming in less than two weeks. Are you okay if the Sox don't make a trade of Cease before the season starts and holding him into the season? Give us a ring, 312-644-6767. Bruce, that's where we go now. We start our day on the phones with our old friend, Mike from Glencoe on Inside the Clubhouse. Hey, Mike, good morning. Good morning to you both, and I'd like to follow up on that Dylan Cease point. Um, Bruce, tell us about the art of making a trade when you're selling high as opposed to selling low, because I think the concern of a lot of Sox fans, maybe they will be able to deal cease, but is that ultimately we'll get nothing back or very little back from the four core players who haven't worked out. T.A., he doesn't even have a contract. We could have traded him. Aloy, no one will take him now, but we could have traded him. Uh, Mankata, nobody will take him. What's, was there a point where Han and Williams – probably should have moved those guys or is that just asking too much of a general manager because we're really going to pay for that now we'll end up with essentially nothing from those three guys yeah uh, thanks mike uh look eli jimenez is a professional hitter did he hit up to the level that he should be playing at last year no he did not does he have the potential to hit 35 to 40 home runs and drive in 100 if he can get 500 at-bats, yes, he does. 
that'll either be for the White Sox this year or somebody else. Uh, as Mike said, Mike, uh, the markets were very slow for Eloy out there. Uh, the White Sox are not in the uh, mode of giving away players just because Bruce Levine and Mike Esposito talk every week about the fact that there are their players ready to be traded. Uh, the, the White Sox are open to trades, but they're not going to give people away. And, and that's the same thing with Dylan Cease as we, we get more pointed. So the plan from the White Sox all along, okay, has been wait for the marketplace to come to them. They have two years left of control over Dylan Cease. The marketplace is still out there. You have... Cy Young Award winner still sitting out there, okay, in Snell. You have Montgomery, who's a very good starting pitcher, probably a three or a four for most teams sitting out there, okay. Um, the marketplace is still ahead of where the White Sox want to go. The White Sox plan is to wait and to have the best pitcher in Major League Baseball available to every team, all 29 teams, okay, once that marketplace is cleared up. There's no rush to do this before that. The, the theory, Mike, is this. You have a, a pitcher, a Cy Young uh, Award runner-up two years ago, uh, who hasn't missed a start since 2018, who's making only $8 million a year this year, probably tops out at 15 or 16 next year, even if he has a great year. So from the economic point of view, every team in Major League Baseball, all 29, Mike, will be looking at Dylan Cease and saying, let's trade for him, okay? Mm -hmm. He's not going to cost us much. We have him for the next two years. We have the uh, young players that the White Sox probably will want. So, okay, it's going to be a, an open field for the White Sox once these two other guys sign here coming up over the next 10 days or so before spring training starts. There's so, no rush so the, in their mind for that, okay? No, and the, and the dominoes have to fall, right? You mentioned Montgomery and Snell, but those guys are going to get huge dollars on the free agency market. They're waiting to get those huge dollars. We'll see what teams they end up with. We also had another domino fall this week, Bruce, and a, a much – uh, rumored guy finally did get traded, and that was an actual uh, help to the Cubs with Corbin Burns going from the Brewers in a trade to the Baltimore Orioles, which makes things very interesting in both the cease market and also in the National League Central. So patience is not a virtue of, uh, of radio talk show hosts or fans, <laughs> okay? That's, that's not, that's, it's, not in the, it's not in the DNA of... Of what they do okay people want to know now what it's going to look like they want to know who the players are that they're going to get back for cease I, I guarantee you you know this side of cease hurting himself early in spring training if it doesn't get done that time Dylan cease will find a home and the White Sox will get the players that they feel are adequate to get back for Dylan cease okay they're in a great position okay they're in a terrific position. They don't have to be impatient. Once the clock starts for spring training and pitchers start throwing, that's when it becomes a little more dicey because injury is always a factor that can prop up. Dylan Cease 
fits for every team in Major League Baseball, especially for the White Sox, who hope to get back three or four really great young players for Dylan Cease. And why wouldn't you? Again, let's go through it. $8 million. Hasn't missed a start in five years, okay? Terrific clubhouse individual. Uh, We know that 200 strikeouts, 200 innings is what he does. A little bit wild in the strike zone last year. Got hit a little bit more than he did the year before. Tremendously correctable. Velo is still about the same. It was a hair down last year. You're, you're getting one of the best young pitchers in baseball at 28, okay? If you're the White Sox in two years or three years, you might want to trade for somebody like Dylan Cease, okay? Because you'll be in a different position. That's not the position they're in right now, okay? The position is trade Dylan Cease, fortify your team, get better that way. Because you're not signing Dylan Cease two years from now as a Scott Boris client going to free agency. That's just not going to happen. You're not getting an extension for three or four years with Dylan Cease at this point either. That doesn't fit into your plan at this particular point. 312-644-6767. The score listener line powered by BetQL. Bet smarter and beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. We have a great show for you today. Cubs general manager Carter Hawkins will join us at 930. We'll talk to MLB consultant Mike Busick at the bottom of the 10 o'clock hour. He is a stadium expert, has been through this a time or two before. We're going to talk to him all about the new proposed White Sox Stadium there in the South Loop. And in the meantime, Bruce, back out to the phones we go. Ron is on the south side, and he wants to talk about Dylan Cease. Hey, Ron, good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. First of all, just a baseball fan, that was a tremendous trade that the Orioles pulled off by getting um, Corbett Burns without trading their top five mm-hmm. prospects. It was a wonderful move. So, uh, and, and I know you got to get like Bruce pretty much laid it out for Cease and Atlanta Braves, Jim, and that's what they're going to say that they were asking too much. But my question is: Is his value the highest before going into to, um, the, the the season where a team really can have him coming out of the gate? And uh, Bruce, you mentioned a couple times the risk of uh, injuries, and 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 I have to tell you guys, I. Am you know concerned about uh, uh, inexperienced um, GM? You know, so that's my thing is hoping that Chris uh, Guest can make a a a a, 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 a move. Because uh, um, lastly, because um, the other call had mentioned that how the the GM how they kind of botched it and didn't move those other guys. We heard. Uh, Kenny was asking that Rick was asking a little too much Leroy. So that that I, that does kind of for me factor in that uh, he, this guy knows because again what that what that Baltimore um, GM did that was a wonderful move so hope that uh, Chris Getz you know can make a good move for the team thanks guys Mike thanks, uh, I, I would I would say that um, this is the second part of Dylan C's I failed to mention that at the trade deadline at the end of July last year, the White Sox were fielding offers for Dylan Cease. Baltimore was one team, Atlanta was a number, another. 
uh, this offseason early on. The Dodgers were certainly a team that was interested. Cincinnati was a team that was interested. They've made some other moves along the way and probably are a, a, a bit apart from that. That doesn't exclude them from getting back in for Dylan Cease. I, I just don't see uh, hardly any team out there, including uh, the Chicago Cubs, eight miles away from the White Sox. The New York Yankees have certainly uh, been involved in talking to the White Sox about Dylan Cease. There's any, any number of teams that would want to have Dylan Cease. Now, are they going to give you, is every team going to give you their, their top two picks and a, a couple other guys in their, in their top 15 or 20 players in their organization? It remains to be seen. The White Sox will know when they want to make that move. I, I think Ron's questioning of whether they should trust Chris Getz or not is interesting. Okay, I think it's fair. We don't know what that looks like right now. We don't know the end result. We do know the end result of what happened before. Uh, a lot of it was good. A lot of it wasn't so good. That's the nature of making trades. But I think in this one, this is a trade, Mike. The White Sox have to win. They have to win this yep. trade. Absolutely. And I think your point is right on in terms of the uh, value of Dylan Cease once the free agent dominoes fall, because of the cost, every team should be interested, or would, would you would think would be interested. Based on what pitchers cost these days, you're going to get two years, not just one, which is the case with Burns, but two years of Dylan Cease at a very, very reasonable price. And for a team in contention, like the team on the north side or like any number of other teams, a texter was joking that the Sox should call the Brewers now that they've traded Corbin Burns. But everyone needs him. He's, he's a front-of-the-line rotation starting pitcher that you have two years of good cost control on. I'll, I'll just uh, I'll, I'll phrase it this way. Everybody would want him. Maybe not everybody needs him, but everybody in baseball would want Dylan Cease. There are other people out there. You talk to some scouts, and they go, you know what? Uh, he's inconsistent. Um, he hasn't shown consistency over two or three years. Um, he might, he might not be the, the guy that everybody thinks he was in 2022 when he was arguably the second best pitcher in the American League to Verlander. So uh, there, there are other opinions out there. Inside the clubhouse here on 670 The Score, Bruce Levine, Mike Esposito with you. Back out to the phones we go out west to Macomb, and Chip is up next on Inside the Clubhouse. Morning, Chip. Good morning, guys. Hey, I was just wondering, what do you think is the uh, – what do you think is the White Sox priority right now? I know much has been made about the new stadium. There's been all that talk, and I know you're going to have that guest on later that I'm very interested to hear from. But it seems to me that this club, based on the moves they've made this offseason, which have been fiscally prudent, and this desire to now look into a new stadium opportunity, tells me that the priorities about fielding a winning team aren't exactly number one on their list of things to do. I think, Bruce, when you mentioned last week and have touched on it here, too, that with two years of Dylan Cease left, uh, left, you didn't see the White Sox as being any type of contender in two years. But when the idea of trading Robert came up, you said, well, maybe in four. Well, here we're kicking the can down the road then on really making this team. If not yeah, I'm going to have to correct enough, you. I, I, think in, I think in two years the White Sox can be a contender. It just depends well, last on week you said Well, last week you said when, it, uh, when the topic of trading Cease or Robert came up, 
You said you did not see them as a team that within in the next two years being a contender. But yeah, within, within the, the next four, two years. That's, why. that's right. right. This so, year and so next year. Kicking, so again, you're kicking the can down the road, which makes me say, sure. what are the priorities of this ball club right now? What is their desire to win within the next year or two, or within the next two years, let's say, because this has just not gotten any better between that 500 season and last year and nothing that they've done since has really energized the fan base, except talking about maybe a new stadium that could be state of the art and one that Rob Manfred said could be a game changer. Okay. Great question. Thank you for that. Mike, what I meant was the White Sox are not going to be winning this year and next year. Okay. After that, Whatever they do, you know, put together. Are they trying to lose? You know, no, they, they want to get better, okay? Everything they've done in the offseason, in the mind of the new executives with the Chicago White Sox, is about getting better. Better defensive players, better clubhouse guys, better young pitching to build off of uh, a new base. They, they, they've kind of bottomed out as an organization, okay? So they are building towards a new future. Do you want to lose? No, you don't want to lose. You want to build on young players that you can have a base for moving forward. Hopefully in two years they will be there. And then you start plugging in your free agents. And then you start making trades for players with your young players that you use as the... uh, the way that you go about getting players, much like the Cubs are doing right now. They're in a mode where their their farm system is kicking in with good young players that other teams find attractive. The White Sox want to be in that position a couple years from now for players that are going to play for their team and players that they're going to use for value to trade for other players. That is the function of becoming a contending Major League Baseball team the White Sox are certainly not there now. It'll probably take them a couple of years. And uh, to talk about uh, free agent signings, Bruce, the Sox made a minor signing. Uh, major League veteran, though, Kevin Pillar, signs a minor league deal uh, this past week, a few days ago. Uh, been around the game a long time. Toronto was most recently with the Mets and then with Atlanta. Uh, has seen better days as an older player, but is a guy that, if he can make the team, I believe it's $3 million if he makes the team, but as a guy who could help solidify that outfield. Yeah, he's a right-handed hitter, okay? So they had three uh, left-handed hitting outfielders and uh, Robert uh, on the 40-man roster. They need, they need to fortify that. Pilar's a very good outfielder, okay, defensively. Uh, hitting, you know, questionable at this point, what he's going to be able to do depending on how many at-bats he gets. But this, this helps uh, uh, kind of get things a little bit more centered around having another right-handed hitting outfielder. 312-644-6767. If you'd like to check in via phone or via text with Inside the Clubhouse, uh, up next we go to Van, who wants to talk Dylan Cease here on Inside the Clubhouse. Hey, Van, good morning. Good morning. I'm one of the other opinions because I listen every week, love the show, but I I don't understand this love for Dylan Cease. I know he had a great 2022 and then the balance schedule came along, and he's not facing the central as much, and he got hit. And he wasn't great before 2022. And there's there, Corbin Burns got traded, a guy that actually won a Cy Young, who's a much better pitcher than Dylan Cease. And the 
Brewers got not as much as I thought they should have gotten. But in the same breath, Dylan Cease is not going to bring back what Bruce keeps saying, like this, like this plethora of, of prospects, top prospects. If Pitching is a premium. Starting pitching is a premium in Major League Baseball. If he was that good, he'd be gone already. Somebody would already met it. And the thing is, if Dylan Cease continues the trend of 2023 where he pitched poorly at the trade deadline, he's going to have no value, and there's going to be only one player on that team worth value, and you're going to have to trade him. And that's Lewis Roberts. And now hang up and listen. Uh, Van, a frustrated White Sox fan, frustrated with my conversation as well, Mike, and I understand it. I, I really do. Um, again, do I think Dylan Cease is the best pitcher in baseball? No, I don't. But I, I've given you a lot of reasons why other teams would want him, okay? The, the durability is major. The contract is major. The arm of the two pitches that are above average, okay, way above average, they are important. The clubhouse, important. The makeup, important. All these things lead another team who will be more desperate for um, starting pitching as time goes on. So waiting game, the White Sox wait until spring training till pitchers start getting hurt. Do they roll the dice on, on Cease not being one of them? Do you wait until the trading deadline and trade them then still with two postseasons available to somebody else? You know, uh, assuming uh, Cease is still a top pitcher this year, doing well, uninjured. There's a lot of assumptions that go into holding on to Dylan Cease and not trading him before the season starts. Lots of variables there, and we will continue to talk about it. We will switch gears to Cubs when we come back. We're happy to welcome in Cubs general manager Carter Hawkins right after this. It's Bruce Levine, Mike Esposito, and inside the clubhouse on 670 The Score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Chicago. (laughs) What do you say? (laughs) Cubs going to win today. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. And always live on the free Odyssey app, presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Talk about winning the press conference. There's new Cubs pitcher Shota Imanaga, uh, the most recent free agent signing for your Chicago Cubs. And to talk to the man, uh, or one of the men who made that happen, one of the people who made that happen, we head on out to the SCORE hotline presented by Circus Sports Illinois. 
Well, Mike, maybe not the most recent free agent signing because Hector Neira signed this week. Correct. Certainly, certainly an important one. And we are pleased to bring in the general manager of the Chicago Cubs, Carter Hawkins. Nice enough to take some time out on a Saturday morning to join us on Inside the Clubhouse. Good morning, Carter. How are you today? Good morning, fellas. Doing wonderful. Thanks for having me on. All right. Arizona or Chicago, are you on your way yet? The, uh, the bag is packed. It is on the truck. Um, I don't believe the truck gets there until Monday, but I don't leave until a week from Monday. So we've got another seven or eight days in beautiful Chicago and then uh, get my vitamin D supplement for, uh, for the winter. I love the way you say beautiful Chicago. Not always the weather, but it's beautiful every other way. Uh, first and foremost, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start on a, um, on a kind of a sadder note and uh, uh, ask you to uh, talk a little bit about uh, Tom Hellman and the loss of uh, our, our friend, uh, the clubhouse manager for the Cubs for the last 23 years with the organization for 41. And just uh, your thoughts and the organization's thoughts uh, yeah. about losing Tom. Yeah, obviously, obviously an awful, awful tragedy. You know, so, you know, Otis, as we called him, um, you know, obviously passed away a, a couple of days ago. And, you know, I've obviously only been here for two years, and you know he'd been there for 40, um, so his his impact was was well beyond you know any of the time that that I've been with the Cubs. But just seeing the impact that he has on you know all of the people or had on all of the people in the clubhouse and outside of the clubhouse, you know, and especially that that brotherhood of of clubhouse people that that isn't something that's talked a lot about. But you know, there's five to 10 people in a major league clubhouse at any given time that are just fully dedicated to each other. And then that team, that brotherhood is, is fully dedicated to the players and the staff and making sure that every one of their needs are met. And, and Otis was a leader of that and, and did just such a wonderful and unbelievable job of, of helping form the team that we have down there. And, and they're appropriately devastated right now. But I think that devastation is just a, a, indication of just how special Otis was to to them and the organization. And we're lucky we had him for the 40 years that we did. And he'll be remembered uh, much, much longer than that. Certainly well well said there, Carter. And we saw a bunch of the players, uh, current and former, out on Twitter and whatnot commenting on that. So certainly uh, a big loss for the Cubs organization. Uh, to, To get back onto the field there, Carter, one of the main questions we hear a ton from Cubs fans they want to know more about Michael Bush. A lot of uh, questions about first base. We saw him briefly at Cubs convention, but uh, for the Cubs fans listening, they know you made the, the big trade with the Dodgers, uh, getting Bush and Yancey Almonte. What what can you tell Cubs fans about Bush and his uh, first base abilities for this season? Yeah, I mean, when you think about just where the organization is right now, you know, obviously we're we're you know, starting to to get into a period of, of what, what hopefully is is a lot of winning over a long period of time, but looking at our current roster, you know we were had some opportunities for at bats at first base, opportunities for at bats at third base. You know, we got guys that you know are currently on the roster that have played well in those positions, but nobody that solidified that. And um, we're also looking for guys that can hit left-handed. So you check first, third, left-handed ability to be here for a long time. And, and Michael Bush is kind of in the middle of that Venn diagram. He hasn't played a ton of first, but his ability over there is, is really, really solid and feel like his hands and, and just know how will, will help 
had that opportunity to to be really really good over there, and he has you know totally dominated the minor leagues over the course of his career. But he was blocked. You know, he was with the Dodgers, and then they have a couple of Hall of Famers at, at first and second. He can also play second. Um, that uh, obviously are going to going to get in his way as a bat, and so. And we think that he's a potential, you know, great member of our lineup that 100% can hit against righties and, and hopefully can can play every day at some point. But we have, you know, basically six years of control over him. Um, so he's going to be a, have a chance to be with us for a long time. and looking forward to that. Carter, the conundrum of uh, doing your due diligence as a general manager of the Cubs as far as talking to the agents and bringing back players like Bellinger and then – the frustration of, of a fan base and uh, uh, media people to be hearing about it all the time with spring training coming up and still no decision made on a player that was everything that the Chicago Cubs wanted him to be last year uh, and, uh, and a player that obviously would be welcome back. But the business side of it, what have you learned about being a general manager, being patient, and having to deal with these situations, maybe even going up into and past spring training. Yeah, I, mean, I think generally you, you've taken a step away from or taken a step back on just any free agent acquisition. And we, we talked about this a little bit so around CubsCon and, and, you know, have, have certainly you know had this come up often as, you know, whether our, our pace has been perceived to be slower, faster, or, or anything of the sort. But, you know, it's basically trying to, to find overlap, you know, our – interest in terms of how we view a player and the player's interest in terms of how he views himself. And when there's overlap on, on those two things, deals get made when there isn't deals don't get made. And sometimes that's a long, long process. So, you know, I, I think generally we just try to take our focus towards that versus all the things going on around us. And that typically leads to good decisions. Um, and that's the idea is make really good decisions because really good decisions are going to help us win more games in the alternative. And uh, just try to focus there. So that's where Jed and I are on a day-to-day basis. Um, just because there's not deals being made doesn't mean that we're not working the phones every single day and then you know, working on you know, trying to find those overlaps every single day. We, we certainly are. Um, but we understand that the fans want to see the results, and we get that. But we just try to stay uh, focused on our process and what we can do and what we can control. Talking to Cubs general manager Carter Hawkins here on Inside the Clubhouse and uh, Carter, we heard the uh, great clip from from Shota coming in uh, at his introductory press conference. Uh, certainly won the press conference, but I know you guys expect him to win a lot of games for the Cubs over the years. What were the uh, handful of items that really attracted you to him as a free agent signing? Yeah, I mean, I think every team in the league for any starting pitcher says, all right, I have some interest because he is a starting pitcher. And so that was right. the first box to check with, with Shota. I mean, it's just the the availability of, of good innings in this league is, is it's just tough to find. And, you know, when you have that, it's, it's like gold. And then to have somebody that's left-handed that's shown that have that ability, you know, in the, the Japanese professional leagues to, to be an ace and a pitch mix that, you know, hopefully will apply to, to the game here in the States and uh, the mindset and the work ethic to make the adjustments that are necessary. You know, when you when you make that transition, we saw that, you know, obviously with Saya, um, just having to make some of those transitions, it's not easy. You know, it happens, you know, at different times. Sango with the, the Mets had a really good year last year, his first year. And so 
don't want to rule out, you know, being elite in your first year, but at the same time, you know, you can imagine transitioning not only from one league to another, but from one country to another and then one culture to another. And that's, that's hard. So you want somebody with that mindset of, of trying to improve. And I guess you kind of saw a little bit of that uh, in the press conference, that mindset of like, okay, like what can I do to relate here? What can I do to, to really, you know, endear myself and, and hopefully he's able to do that on the field too. Taking that a step further, Carter, uh, you guys have some pitching depth uh, in the, as far as rotation pitchers goes, and I know you keep your fingers crossed when somebody says that because uh, <clears throat> keeping pitching healthy is certainly the key to uh, having pitching depth. But with that in mind and some of the pitching that you have in the organization, uh, have you sat down and discussed uh, with – with Jed and with uh, Craig, the uh, chance of having a six-man rotation this year and and whether that is something that makes sense going forward for not only you, but maybe even more in Major League Baseball because of the fact that nobody really throws a, an awful lot of innings anymore. Yeah, I think if you could write a book with all the things that Jed and I have discussed at some point, it'd be a pretty darn long book. Um, you know, so yeah, like we've gone through all the different permutations, and you know, just like talk radio, we we try we're thinking about a lot of ideas um, in terms of things that we have you know intention to implement or or you know are looking to to try to make work this year. That's that's not in the cards. Not to say it never would happen. Um, you know, I've. Said never on too many things that ended up happening to, to ever rule anything out, but that's not our intention going into camp, and um, we intend to have something that's uh, a little bit more more traditional. Carter Hawkins, our guest, the Cubs general manager, for a few more minutes here on Inside the Clubhouse. And, Carter, we, we got to see uh, PCA, Pete Crow Armstrong, at the end of last year. We saw some of those flashes in the outfield with some of those great plays that he's made. He also did struggle a bit at the plate, and granted, very small sample size, but as as we head into year two of PCA with the Cubs, where do you look to see him, and, and what are you looking for him in spring training? Yeah, I mean, looking to, to see some of the adjustments uh, from the challenges that he faced. You know, those definitely created some opportunities for him to make some changes that will help him to, you know, be a little bit more effective offensively and, and on the base pass and make a little bit better decisions there and, and utilize the strengths that he has. You know, in order for him to get the speed to, to actually produce major league value, he's got to get on base. And to get on base, he's got to make contact and, you know, take balls out of the zone and things that he did really well in the minor leagues. And clearly it was a small sample in the big leagues, but um, it was a, a big opportunity for him to see the things that, that he needs to do. So he's working his tail off in Arizona this whole off season, working with Dustin Kelly, our hitting coach, you know, on those things. And, um, you know, defensively, he's got some, some natural skills there that, you know, we're looking forward to see him play here at, at, at some point, but the expectation is just to see the work that he's put in and then continue that work and continue that development for him so that he can be the type of major leaguer that we all know he can be. The general manager of the Chicago Cubs, Carter Hawkins, our guest for a few more minutes on inside the clubhouse carter when you uh look at your bullpen now after adding uh, veteran hector neris how do you see it uh shaping up how do you how do you see it shaking down i mean we we saw uh edbert elsley step up and be the closer for the cubs do a a fine job before injury curtailed uh the end of his season 
how do you see the the mix out there and uh do you expect to add more bullpen people before the season begins at the end of March? Yeah, we'll be opportunistic, and, and there's definitely going to be a lot of guys that are available here, whether it's through free agency, waivers, trades, that, you know, if we can upgrade, you know, we'll upgrade. Um, so I wouldn't rule that out on, on any part of our roster, but it does feel like just generally year to year there's more availability in, in bullpen arms than anywhere else to, to find some of those marginal upgrades. But, yeah, we had a solid bullpen last year. Obviously, that it didn't work out well towards the end, but just over the six months of the season, we were – basically league average and we have to figure out a way to be a little bit more consistent with that and bringing someone in like Naris, I think can help add to that consistency, not only through what he's been able to do for the last several years in terms of logging innings, taking the ball, but just the teaching and the talking and then working through that with the other guys in the bullpen about what it takes to do those types of things and letting them learn from him too. So really excited about that aspect of the, of that acquisition and, Excited about the guys that you talked about, the Adelaide's, the Merriweather's, the Lighters, you know, to really step up and and take the next step from where they were last year. And if they all do that and add Naris to the mix, you could be in a really good place. You've had a few months now, Carter, with Craig Council in-house as your manager. We all got to talk to him a little bit at Cubs convention, but uh, internally, has it been everything that you thought it would be getting to work with Craig on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, it's been really fun, and, and you know, I, I think part of the uh, what we thought it would be would would be to be surprised at, at different times and, and learn a lot of different things. You know, it was a a quick courtship, and so you know, we have a lot to learn and about how each other works and, and and vice versa, and how we give each other feedback and those conversations. But we talk all the time, you know, myself and him, and he and Jed, and and you know, all three of us, and and just preparing for spring training has has been really fun just to understand his engagement and how he views the world. And I think that'll continue to happen over the course of the year as we hit new situations and circumstances that inevitably happen over the course of the year, whether it's roster decisions or anything else that is happening around a major league club. And that's a myriad of of different types of things and, and different buckets of things, but he's extremely intelligent. He cares a ton. He thinks a lot about a lot of different things. He focuses on unintended consequences in a way that, um, I haven't really seen in uh, in a long time with a staff member, and, and I'm and Jed are just really excited about working with them here and, and learning more from them, and uh, I hope he feels the same way too. Carter, Mike, and I uh, really appreciate you taking the time out today to join us in Inside the Clubhouse. My last question to you is about catching. I'm a I'm a huge believer that uh, the Cubs pitching improved last year because of uh, Jan Gomes and. Uh, Miguel Amaya combination. Is this the year that you expect Amaya uh, with good health and hopefully the arm coming back to being what it needs to be? Uh, your 100-game your catcher, your, your primary catcher as you move forward with uh, the progress of him and, and certainly with having the, uh, the ability to have Gomes in there as well uh, when you need him. Yeah, I mean, I think kind of naming who's going to catch 100 and who's going to catch 60 probably isn't smart at this point. But what I will say is that, you know, Miguel, he's out of options. You know, he's going to be on our major league club, you know, barring injury. And, you know, this is an opportunity for him to really step up and really be a part of the leadership of this team. And and there's no better person to learn that from than John Gomes. Um, So excited about him getting a fully healthy year, a full year with the major league club and, and really 
know, taking that next step in his career and establishing himself as, as a catcher that, you know, we can build around in the future. And that part's really exciting. He's worked really hard and then gone through a lot of challenges to get to this point. And um, it's just now a matter of him taking off. And I think he's got every capability to do that. Carter, we appreciate it very much. Look forward to seeing you in spring training and just a couple short weeks, less than that, and uh, safe travels on your way. All right, fellas. Appreciate you having me on. Have a great day. You too. Thank you very much, Carter. That's Carter Hawkins, Cubs general manager. Lots of great stuff there. We'll talk about some of that when we return. We have chin music coming up. Uh, we'll hear from Andrew Benintendi, some interesting sound from him. And later on in the show, we will talk to Mike Busick. He's an MLB consultant former vice president for the Brewers and for the Royals. He knows a lot about stadiums, and we want to talk to him about the White Sox uh, proposed stadium there in the South Loop. Coming up next, we'll talk more about our old friend Otis, who passed away unexpectedly this week, Tom Hellman, the Cubs clubhouse manager, longtime clubhouse manager. We'll talk more about that when we return. It's Bruce Levine, Mike Esposito, and for David today, inside the clubhouse on 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. And always live on the free Odyssey app presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. And we're back on The Score Inside the Clubhouse. And we wanted to talk a little bit more before we get into hour two about Tom Hellman, better known as Otis Cubs' longtime clubhouse manager and Bruce I know a very uh, close friend and acquaintance of yours for many decades and uh, we saw lots of yeah, tributes pour uh, out as the news came out very emotional uh, for me and I, I know uh, <clears throat> you know I certainly don't want to bring anybody down but I want people to understand what a great person uh, Tom and his wife uh, Mary uh, are and Tom was and uh, <clears throat> just uh, so many hundreds of friends he had in baseball, just the quality of human being that he was. Uh, he was just always a smile on his face, always helpful, just, you know, part of his nature. He was just a, a beautiful guy that uh, gave his heart and soul to baseball and was in the Cubs for the last 41 years, him and Gary Stark, who was uh, Tom's assistant and still working with the Cubs. Uh, been there forever. Gary's been a friend of mine for for over 50 years. So uh, it, it's hard to say goodbye, and it's it's hard to see the way that uh, Tommy left us after retiring and just going to go to spring training and then <clears throat> retired to his new house in Indiana with Mary that they built over the last uh, six years from scratch. It's just a, a very difficult time. So. I want to send my respect and my love out to uh, Mary and the three kids and uh, all of Tom Hellman's friends. Uh, Otis will be missed. I could regale you in uh, great stories, uh, but uh, I'll just leave it with Tom was a beautiful person, beautiful friend, and he'll be missed. 
Very well said, Bruce. Uh, I will add this only because I saw it the other day and I thought it was great. Lots of players. He was there for 41 years. Lots of players reached out after this. And this from John Lester on Twitter. Morning alongside my Cubs family after hearing about the passing of Otis. Otis was as loyal and dedicated as the day is long. He had a welcoming demeanor and a big heart. He was funny. He was kind. He was my friend. And I'm going to miss him. Rest easy, buddy. Also very well said. That from John Lester from Twitter. We will roll on to hour two, Bruce, and when we come back, we'll talk a little White Sox. We'll do chin music and hear from Andrew Benintendi. You'll like what he had to say, and we'll talk about it next as we come into hour two inside the clubhouse. Bruce Levine, Mike Esposito in for David Haw today. This is Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.